This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. It was crazy. Finally, um, years came on, years, we got older, I was 16 years old, and I remember we were sitting in camp again in Vassar, Michigan. If you don't know where that is, that's way over on the other side of the state. We were sitting in a hot tabernacle, middle of July. The preacher was droning on and on. I couldn't tell you a single thing that that preacher said, right? I was a teenager sitting on hard pews, sweating like crazy. And then all of a sudden, it was like, it was like boom, the back doors open. I was like, wow, what was that? It was like this cool breeze walked in, and this hair, this beautiful blonde hair was flowing. And the angels, the angels were singing, and they were, I mean, it was just, a, it was an angelic type of thing. And my heart started leaping, and I thought, oh my goodness, there's Tracy. Wow! Woo! Oh my goodness. And then I don't know if it was the voice of God or the other voices in my head, but the voice said, go talk to her. It's your time. <laughs> okay. All right. So after that service, I went up to Tracy and uh, I said, hey, Tracy, how you, how you doing? Did you guys just get to camp? Did you guys just walk in? Just get here? She was like, yeah, we got here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said, you know who I am, right? Yeah, you're, you're Chad. Huh? And I kept walking with her because she was trying to walk away from me, right? I, that's what I felt like. Yeah. I said, hey, Tracy, I, th- I got thinking the competition's coming up. And, uh, you know, you win the female vocalist all the time. I mean, you have an incredible voice, Tracy. I love your voice, Tracy. And, and I, win, I win the male vocalist, you know, a lot. And I thought, you know what? What if we combined our voices and we went out for the duet competition and we could really, we could really win some scholarship money and go to college? And I swear, I mean, her eyes, it changed. I mean, her beautiful eyes, they changed. And her hair kind of went, and as she looked right into my eyes, no lie, she goes, Chad, I only sing for God. If you can sing for God, I'll sing with you. Yeah. And so me being a teenage boy wanting to sing with her, so I can sing for God, sure, no problem, yeah. Let's go sing for God. Where's that going to take us, right? Now, the funny thing was, we started talking more and more that night, and they spent the night. Then we went out the next day for ice cream, and uh, we were flirting like crazy. And it was just a great beginning of a relationship. And I mean, the flirting, the flirtatious of both of us was just incredible. And then I remember we're sitting in church that night, and I remember we were sitting next to each other, just an incredible day. And I mean, so she's sitting on this side of me. I remember which side she was sitting on me, and I remember I put my hand down next to her hand. You know where I'm going with this, right? She didn't move. Uh-huh. I moved a little closer to her hand. She didn't move again. I put my pinky right next to her pinky, just barely touching it. She didn't move. I'm thinking, all right, here we go. Here we go. I put my pinky on top of her pinky. She didn't move again. And so I carefully take all the rest four of my fingers, put it on top of her hand, and she grabs hold, and the rest is history. I got the girl! Yes! 
I got the girl. I thought to myself, oh, Chad, you have arrived. You're going to be dating Tracy Goolish now. Yes, which, by the way, that was her name, and she's, she's very grateful it changed to Brown, right? Right there? Yeah, yeah. uh-huh. And so it has been just an incredible ride. Been a credible ride of, of ups and downs and, and all kinds of things and relationships, you know, they're funny. Relationships are funny. They can start off as an acquaintance or, or even a friendship. Then, they, then an attraction begins, right? You begin to notice each other and an attraction begins and that takes, us, that takes us probably to a lust level in that relationship and then that pushes us into a commitment and then we hope, we hope, we hope that that gets us into a covenant. A covenant relationship and our marriage, our marriage, tracing our marriage, I'm not going to lie to you, has been filled with so many ups and downs and it's like anything in life, we have got to learn to not live in the highs, to not live in the lows, but to live right here in the middle. Right there in the middle. We get, we, we, we got married when we were 19 years old. We started having babies right away, not by our own design, but by God's design. And you know, when you, when you throw a kid in the mix, it really mixes it up, doesn't it? I didn't say messes it up. Uh-uh. I says mixes it up, right? I remember when we had our second child, Madeline, and uh, we were in the process of planning a church in Howell, Michigan. And I was working hard at building community relationships throughout the city. And Tracy was, she was nine months pregnant at that time. And, and we, she was talking on the phone. I'll never re- forget this. She was talking on the phone to one of our good friends. And, and she, starts, she starts to giggle. And I'm like, what are you laughing at? She goes, my water just broke. I'm like, why are you giggling? Isn't it supposed to be in their pain coming right now? She goes, no. We've got to get to the hospital, though. So I remember we, we getting into the car. And we rush her to the hospital, and they're asking her all these questions. And by now, she's having contractions, and we're trying to do the whole breathing thing. And it's the, and I, I couldn't ever remember. It's the, is that, is that the right? I don't know if that's the right breathing. Uh, we, we might have messed that up, but I don't know. Then they asked her, what church do you go to? And, and she answered the question. She goes, I go to Harvest Community Church. And, and that, makes, that made me feel good, because here we are trying to get the church name out. I'll take whatever it takes to get the name out, right? Uh-huh. We're a church plant. We've got to have bodies there, right? And I'm thinking, maybe I can have a conversation with this person afterwards and see if she goes to church and invite her. And then that lady asked this question. She goes, she goes, would you like to have your pastor contact? And my wife looked dead in her eyes, and she didn't miss a beat. She said, my pastor did this to me. I thought, oh, my goodness. He went, oh, my goodness. Oh, hang, hang on a second. Wait a second. See, I, I, I interrupt the conversation. I said, hi, I'm Chad Brown. I'm the pastor. Uh, I'm the pastor here, and she's my wife. I didn't want there to be many misunderstanding. Right? Oh, it has been a wonderful ride walking through life together with my camp romance all these years. And like I said, as wonderful as it has been, it's been hard as well. Marriage is hard. I think every person that has been married would say that. There has been many struggles. And can I just give you permission to realize that there is no such thing as a perfect marriage? Do you realize that? There is no such thing as a perfect marriage. In fact, look to your spouse and say, you look good, but you're not perfect. Go ahead and do it right now if they're here. You look good, but you're not perfect. 
Uh-huh. Come on. Uh-huh. It's the truth. Uh-huh. We have to be okay with knowing that there is no perfect marriage because there is no perfect spouse because there is no perfect person. Right? We have to be okay with that. Those of you that are single, woohoo! let me hear the single. Shout it out. Little weak, okay, guys? Not too impressed. Not too impressed with the singles. Those of you that are single, there's no such thing as a perfect spouse. No such thing. Marriage is hard. After many, many nights of uh, us dealing with this baby that God blessed us with, we both were utterly exhausted because this, this baby, this precious little baby, would not sleep would not be coddled, would not be consoled by either one of us. And I couldn't tell you how many nights that we were going on without sleep. I was, I remember, I remember so clearly. We both were up, middle of the night, and I remember Tracy and I, we started to argue, and I don't remember what we argued about, but I'm sure it was stupid. And I remember getting so mad, I walked out of the room and I remember looking at this wall, and I remember putting my fist through the, through the wall, being in anger. I've never done that before, and I've never done it since. I don't have an anger problem, but you know what? Sometimes you just get to the end of your ropes, and you don't know what to do. As my fist is through this wall, I'm thinking, Chad, what in the world are you doing? I look around, and there's this picture right next to this hole I just created. And this picture says, God bless this house and give it peace. <laughs> and I'm thinking, really, God? And so I do what any man will do. I move the picture over to cover the hole. Because <laughs> I don't want Tracy to see how stupid I am, right? And I say, God, help me here. You've given me a child that just wants to grow up and get out of this house as quickly as she can, but she can't right now. And so you've got to give me the grace and the peace and the love of which he did. Relationships, they take you to the end of your rope. They take you to the end of your rope. The struggle of marriage is real. There should be an amen right there. You're our culture doesn't want you to be married. Our enemy doesn't want you to be married. We live in a state where there are forces that want to rip the very fabric of Christian marriage apart. And I'm telling you, the struggle is real. It's been going on since the very first wedding. God knew it, and so he spoke to it. He knew that the struggle was real, and so he spoke to it. But before we look at what he has to say, I have one point for you today. One thing that I want you to take away. You ready for it, church? Are you ready for it, church? Listen to this point. It's not your love that sustains your commitment. It's your commitment 
that sustains your love. Yeah, can you read that with me? Read it with me, church. It's not your love that sustains your commitment. It's your commitment that sustains your love. Luckily, the Bible says a lot about marriage. God loves the idea of marriage. In fact, he created the whole idea of it and uses the concept to illustrate other things that he desires to see happen in his church and in his kingdom. So what does the Bible say about marriage? How does the Bible define marriage? Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 19. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament and it's written by Matthew, an eyewitness to all he wrote down. And this is what he says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 1, when Jesus had finished saying these things. Let's stop right there. What scripture talking about here? What was, what was he saying? You look, at, you look at the previous chapter, let me tell you something. Jesus, Jesus was on a teaching roll. He was talking to them about who's going to be the greatest. And he was teaching about causing people to stumble. And, and what do you do with that? He was teaching about being offended and being offensive. He was teaching on dealing with sin in the church. He worked through some parables. And, and if you have been around in church long enough, you will understand what I'm saying when I say he talked about the parable of the lost sheep. How he left the 99 safe and he went out to get the one that was lost. How the shepherd will leave the 99. He also taught about the parable of the unforgiving servant and how forgiveness is so, so crucial in the life of a believer. And how, and now he is in chapter 19, and this is what Matthew records. When Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee and went into the region of Judea. To the other side of the Jordan, large crowds followed him, and he, he healed them there. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning of the Creator made them male and female, and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. That's where we're going to stop right now. You see, divorce, divorce was controversial back then just as it is now. And the, Pharisee would, the Pharisees would love to trip Jesus up on this one, so they decided to come to Jesus before a large crowd to ask, what are the valid grounds for divorce, Jesus? But Jesus, I love Jesus. You love Jesus? I love Jesus. What does he do? He doesn't want to talk about divorce. He doesn't want to talk about divorce. Not yet, at least. He wants to talk about marriage. I love what he says to these Pharisees. I love what he says to these know-it-alls. I love what he says to these people that have studied the law all their adult life and even on into their children's life. It's a children's. These people should have been the smartest of all smart people. They should have been the most, they, the well-read of what the Torah had to say about this. And I love what Jesus says. Do you see it? He says, hey, haven't you guys read this stuff? Uh-huh. Don't you understand this stuff? He throws it right back at them. You should know this stuff in essence. What is, what is marriage? 
Jesus takes these Pharisees and us today all the way back to Genesis and says this in verse 4 of Matthew. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them what? Say it. Male and female. What is marriage? Not according to Pastor Chad. Not according to Life Change Church. Not according to the Church Universal. What is marriage? Scripture tells us clearly what it is. A marriage is something between a male and a female. In the Garden of Eden, God made them Adam and Eve, and he made them man and woman. We know that men and women are different. Thousands of books are written on how different we are. In fact, Tracy, Tracy got me this book a long time ago that I have kept in my library. It's entitled, What Men Understand About Women. What Men Understand About Women. A Radical Peak Inside the Minds of Men. Where's the camera? Let me show you this camera. Where are you at? Let me show you what it looks like. It's empty. It's absolutely empty. Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Men, nothing. We understand nothing about women. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We are physically different. We're emotionally different. We are definitely biologically different. But one of the keys to success in marriage is found in learning to appreciate the differences. There is a difference, and God's original intent for marriage is one male and one female allowing their differences to complement each other. Which brings us to another aspect that we define as we talk about what is marriage. A marriage is a leaving and, a leaving and cleaving. Verse 5 says this, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Scripture makes it clear that we are to honor our parents, right? We have to honor our parents. Scripture tells us that. Until death, we should be honoring our father and our mother. But many marriages, they get in trouble when a man holds his mother in higher esteem than his wife. Can I tell you something? There should be no comparison she shouldn't even be equal in his eyes. The same is true when a wife thinks more highly of her father or mother than her husband. The leave of leave and cleave is not only a physical leaving of the home, but also an emotional breaking away. Then there's the cleaving aspect of Scripture, right? Right? The word cleave literally means glue. And I mean the good glue, not the Elmer's glue that we sniffed and tried to eat when we were little, but the good stuff and not even the super glue, right? I'm talking about the gorilla glue. You can't even break it apart. You know what that means, don't you? Yes. Those of you who are married, you're stuck with each other. In fact, turn to, your turn to that person and say, I'm stuck on you. Come on, let me hear it. I'm stuck on you. Not stuck with you. Don't say that. Don't say that. 
That's not what it means. But I'm stuck on you. Men, you may have married her because she was the high school beauty queen and because you envisioned her meeting you at the door when you came home from work every day and maybe a silk negligee, but here you are a few years later and she's got curls in her hair, she's got goop on her face, she's got ketchup down the front of her flannel nightgown, ketchup in the back, and there's even baby puke all over somewhere. And what do you do, men? What's our point? Put it up there, put it up there, say it with me, here it is. It's not your love that sustains your commitment. It's your commitment that sustains your love. Women, I'm not going to leave you hanging. You married a strong brood of a man, right? He carried you over the threshold. He made your knees quiver. Uh Uh-huh. He made you feel like the princess your daddy always said you were, but now he can barely open a jar of pickles. He makes your stomach queasy because he's so gassy and stinky, and that six-pack is now nothing but a a barrel. Uh Uh-huh, it's a kegger now. What do you women do? Uh Uh-huh. What's our point? Say it with me, church. Say it proud and say it loud. It's not your love that sustains your commitment. It's your commitment that sustains your love. What is marriage? It's, it's, it's differences that collide because we are men and women. It's a leaving and cleaving because we are stuck together. And then we get to this verse 6, and it says this, So they are no longer two, but one. We, we, we always have known that God has funny math. Here's God's math when it comes to marriage. You already know it. One plus one equals one. That's just funny. That's just crazy. Someone once said that marriage is like two potatoes, you're skinned alive, put in hot water, mashed together into one, right? You say you don't understand Pastor Chad, you don't understand what's going on. We're completely different. I say, great. That's the best kind of marriage. Opposites attract. The problem is when we get married, we try to change each other instead of celebrating the differences and completing one another. I want you to understand something. Tracy, Tracy, my wife, makes me the complete person that I wouldn't be without her. Why? Ask me why. Good. I want you, I'm glad you want to know. Uh-huh. Because she thinks different than I think. She thinks level-headed. Guess where I am? I'm up in the clouds. Uh-huh. And I think that's the case for a lot of men. Yeah. She's my helpmate, Scripture says. She helps me. She helps meet my needs. She's strengthening my weaknesses. She's like a a powerful supplement for my malnourished life. Cleave to, cleaved to your spouse carries the idea of firm, permanent attachment. As I am saying, like Gorilla Glue. 
In marriage, a man and woman are so closely joined that they become this, this, this one flesh which involves spiritual as well as physical oneness. In marriage, God brings a husband and wife together in a unique physical and spiritual bond that, that reaches to the very depths of their souls. As God designed it, marriage is to be the welding of two people together into one unit. The blending of two minds, two wills, two sets of emotions, two spirits. It is the, a bond that the Lord intended to be unbreakable as long as the both partners are alive. The Lord created sex, and all God's people said amen. The Lord created procreation, and all God's people said amen. But listen. God created sex to be the fullest expression of that oneness. And the intimacy of marriage is not to be shared with any other human being, physically or mentally. Let me speak to you singles out there. Just for a second. If you are playing games with your body, if you're giving it away and you are potentially wrecking your future relationship with your spouse. You are giving something to someone else that is only meant to be given to one person. Does God forgive? Yes, he does. I'm so thankful he does. Does God heal that? Yes, he does. But why take the chance of the potential damage you may cause somewhere down the road? And can I tell you, I have counseled way too many that premarital sex has messed up the marriage. And it doesn't have to be that way. That's an easy fix. Uh-huh. God will heal the spiritual, but we are still left with the physical and emotional damage that just giving our bodies away can cause. It's not worth it, my friends. It's not worth it. Let me read verse 6 again. It says, Therefore what God has joined together, let man not separate. Did you really catch it? Do you really understand it? Marriage is something God put together and man cannot take it apart. That is God's statement concerning the seriousness and sacredness of marriage in God's eyes. And you'll never understand the seriousness of divorce until you get a grasp on the seriousness of marriage in God's eyes. It's not the judge that made two into one. It's not a preacher that made you two into one. It's God who worked that miracle, and you don't have the power or authority to break that bond. And that's the original pattern. That's the perfect pattern. That's God's best for all of us. Does it get messed up and goofed up? Of course. But I'm not here to talk to you about that. I'm here to talk to you about God's best. Marriage. It's not your love that sustains your commitment. It's your commitment that sustains your love. Can I get honest with you for a second? You see, I believe we can fall, I believe we can fall in and out of love. 
I'm sure there have been days when Tracy has said, man, I, I'm not sure I love Chad anymore. That, that guy, it's hard, but I'm committed to him. And I'll tell you for a fact, there have been days when, when I, I sure didn't feel like loving Tracy. Honey, it's only been one or two most, okay? Other opportunities look better. Other women caught my eye. Having no wife or family looked awfully tempting. But what? It's not about how I feel about her. It's not my love towards her. That's not what's keeping me. It's my commitment I made. And my love for her. Here, check this out. I love this about how God designed us. Every time I waffle, every time I'm like, man, do I really love her? And I remember I committed to her before God in a church. And I said, I do. My love comes back for her. Oh, just like a roaring fire. And that's what happens when we really follow through on our commitments. How have we made it this long? Let me tell you, we've worked hard at it. Let me give you five practical things that we've done. I'm going to do this real quick. We have never gone to bed angry with each other, and I have never spent the night on the couch unless... Uh, I won't go there. That's too personal, right? <laughs> I have never spent the night on a couch because of anger. Never. That's scriptural right there. We have never said the D word. Divorce was not an option for us. We removed it out of our vocabulary. We have never put our kids before our relationship. We decided that if we wanted a healthy relationship with our kids, we had to have a healthy relationship as parents. We have prayed together almost every single night of our lives. And we have always always said, I love you before we go to bed, before we hang up the phone, or before we leave for anything. We always say, I love you. You know, I love the story of Joshua. Joshua was a manly man. I mean, he led the battle of Jericho. Joshua led the Israelites to settle in the promised land. He saw miracle after miracle after miracle right in front of his very eyes. Joshua's final words are recorded in chapter 24 of Joshua, of the book of Joshua in the, New, in the Old Testament. And he makes this declaration because he knows what God is capable of doing, but he also knows what man is capable of not following through on. In chapter 24 of this book, in the Old Testament, he says this, but if, you, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Speaking to you men now. Joshua is telling the people listening to him, you can do whatever you want to do. He said, I've been leading you a long time, and you know what? I'm, basically, he, he was fed up with them. 
You can do whatever you want to do, he says. If you think it's too hard to serve the Lord, you think it's too hard to serve God, you think he's asking too much of you, then, then, then don't. You can serve whatever you desire. You can serve nothing at all. Do what you think you want to do. But then it says, he says this, he makes this declaration in front of all the children of Israel. He says this, but as for me, as for me, I've seen what God has done. But as for me, I know God has protected us. As for me, I know God has a plan for us. As for me, I understand that God has promises that are real, that are true, that are life-changing, that are life-giving. But as for me and my household, all my little kids, my wife, my servants back then, everybody that lives in my household, we will, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. According to Scripture, as I read it, as I understand it, men, you are the spiritual leader of your house. Have you been running your marriage on emotions or commitments? Have you drove this stake in the ground for your wife and family for all to see? Or are you just not serving or leading your family anywhere? And you're doing what you've always done. Never made a commitment or never stuck to that commitment. How about you single men? You want a wife. That's good. You want a marriage. That's great. But have you made this commitment even before you say, I do? It's not your love that sustains your commitment. It's your commitment that sustains your love. It's your commitment to doing life, living life God's way. And if we are going to ever commit to another man or to another woman, we first have to commit to a Savior. Because He is the firm foundation that a marriage can then be built on. So church, I've got two invitations this morning. Do you know Jesus Christ, the firm foundation? Have you, have you, do you believe that he's truly the Savior? Not just the Savior of the world, but the Savior of Chad, the Savior of your name. You see, that's where it has to start, believe it or not. Will you bow your heads and will you close your eyes? Lord Jesus, I just thank you for your word and how it is so true. And Father, if there is someone here today that does not know you, I pray in the name of Jesus they feel you whispering in their ear. Whisper in their ear, Father. 
Let them hear you say, hey, come. Come. I love you. I love you so much. I love you so much. And I have a firm foundation that you can build on. Church, will you say this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. I may not understand everything, but I'm realizing this truth, that he loves me more than anything. I believe in you, Jesus. I believe that you came to save me, to make me whole, to make me the man or the woman that you want me to be. So, Father, I accept him, and I want to live for him. Show me what that means in Jesus' name. Listen, if you said that prayer for the first time, after the service, there's going to be men up here. There'll be elders up here. I'll be up here. I, I want you to come and talk to one of them. Tell them this is what you did. And celebrate. But church, now will you stand? Because here's my second thing. Here's my second thing. He said, he said Joshua said, I will build my, I will do this. I will do this. As for me and my house, I will do this. Listen, are you building your house? Are you building your relationships? Have you made that commitment? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As we sing this song, I invite you to come and just kneel before him and make that commitment to him. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.